marvelous way of doing that, of opening our hearts to something bigger and grander than just the, the moment or what we're going to do after, after worship. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Whenever I think about family, it, it, it goes very deep into my heart, into my soul. Think of where I came from and where I'm at where I'm going, what the name means, and, and my role in that family, and the role of the people around me. I, I'm not sure about everybody, but you have to have a pretty hardened heart to not, to not soften a little bit when you think about family, and your family, and where you've come from, and what that means. You can talk about your family, that nuclear family that you're with. I love it with the Rebus this morning. Man, you've got the family all, all with you today. What a marvelous connection that is for us as we think about that. I think about my own family. I think about the warts and blemishes. I think about the good things and the, and the painful things. And just am reminded of, of what that means and how precious family is. And so through the next weeks, we're going to work on Jacob's family. We're going to work on Jacob and Rachel and Leah and Joseph and Judah and Issachar and the whole crew. It's amazing to me as I was working on this message this week and actually weeks ago when I put it all together, thinking about the book of Genesis being 50 chapters long. And it's all but a handful of chapters that have to do with family. Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and Noah and his family and and then in Genesis 12, it's Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, all the way to the end. 12, Genesis 12 through 50. It's all family. Our family, right? And so this morning, I want to just think about family. And I want to do that in light of Genesis 37, 1 through 11, that Tim just read a moment ago. And, and as we think about that and, and, and go into our own family, into our own hearts a little bit, there's three pieces that I want to lead you to in, in, in the next moments. And, and the first one is this. That is that families are full of function and dysfunction. And from Jacob's family to our family, that's just the way it is. Secondly is that God uses our families and he has no plan B for us. Our family is our family and he doesn't have another plan for to replace our families and three God's bigger plan for his family was the redemption of the world God was working in his family a, a, a bigger picture than Abraham Isaac and Jacob could see all the time families are full of function and dysfunction God uses families as plan a with no plan b and God's bigger plan for his family was the redemption of the world Families do have function and dysfunction. And we know that. Anyone who's lived in a family, which is all of us for all time, we, we get that. It's amazing to me that when Moses was called back to Egypt, back to his kin, he went to Pharaoh, and then he went to the people, and the people said to him, well, who sent you, Moses? Who sent you? 
And he doesn't say, well, I've got a big, cool tattoo here, or I've got a story and a scroll that God signed. He said, who sent me was the God of your family, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Each one of those generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with their own level of of function and dysfunction, Abraham and Sarah couldn't have children, so they had no one to give an enormous inheritance. So Sarah comes to Abraham and said, why don't you sleep with my servant Hagar, and and then at least we'll have someone to give give our inheritance to. It's all good with me, Abraham, if it's all good with you. And while it was good with Abraham and Sarah, it wasn't good with God. God had said he would bring forth a son. God said he would make it happen. And Abraham subverted that, and that was a painful piece of the history of of their family. Abraham and Sarah were given a son named Isaac. And Isaac was just one. God had said, I'm going to make you a big nation. And he gave Abraham one boy who married his wife, Rebekah. And they had two boys. Esau, who was kind of macho. Esau was kind of a stud. Esau probably played free safety. He was a hitter. He was tough. If you were going to go and you're going to go out hunting and you were going to pull down some big game and bring something to eat and make something marvelous, it was Esau. And and Esau was beloved of his father. And Jacob, the scriptures say, was playing around the tents of the women while the men were out hunting, gathering, and providing. The boys were jostling in their mother's womb, it says. They They were arguing from that moment on, so much so that their conflict was aroused when Jacob stole Esau's birthright. Jacob becoming the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, and Esau, who had a ruddy red complexion with red hair and a big red beard, he started the country, the nation of Edom in the south. And the dysfunction carried on through that generation, playing favorites, trying to figure out who would be the best and who would have the birthright, how it would work. And then Isaac gave birth to (laughs) Jacob. Jacob, what a mess. Jacob's own family. We're going to deal with Jacob's family for the rest of the summer. Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Wouldn't it have been nicer to say, Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, take the big tough guy, but no, we're going to take Jacob. Sneaky, conniving, dysfunctional Jacob. Jacob sneaking and underhanding to get his wife, Rachel, getting smoked by his uncle Laban. Wanting to wake up after the wedding with Rachel, he wakes up with Leah, her sister, and it's a mess. And Jacob's sons, underhanded, caught that from their old man. Sneaky. Selling their brother Jacob, selling their brother Joseph off to slavery into Egypt. They lie, they sell him, they think they get away with it. And at the end of the story, they have a pile of guilt. Function and dysfunction in families. 
Each one of us brings a measure of that to our hearts, to our lives this morning. But the function of a family, you guys are right on it this morning. The function of a family. I'm looking at a happy dad holding a beautiful baby. We can see this whole thing. It's the function of a family. The Lord said in Genesis chapter 1, the focus of family is to subdue the earth and fill it. He looked at the grandest of our grandfathers, Adam, and he said, go get him. He looked at the greatest of our grandmothers, Eve, and said, go get him. Make children, subdue and rule the earth. Husbands and wives, love one another. Be purveyors of God's grace in your family. Be people of love and kindness. Find support and encouragement in your family. Live gracefully and graciously in your family with one another. Husbands and wives, children and grandchildren. Be purveyors of grace in the relationships that are closest to you. Love one another in a way that only family can love. So our responsibility and the function of that is to grow together. To love one another in that powerful, rich way that it sometimes makes us so vulnerable that it's scary. But then the vulnerability is confirmed with the trust and the love and the warmth of being glued together. Family, right? Families have moments and seasons of dysfunction, but the function finds its way through the connection we have with one another is maybe the very, very best thing of life. For in those dysfunctional moments, we're led to live by grace and mercy, all wrapped up with the love of God that we share with those we love the most. Grace and mercy covers our family. And secondly, God uses us in our families. He doesn't have plan B. We are it. Our church family, of which you all are a part, we are it. Your family, the family you grew up in, we are plan A and God does not have plan B. God is not going to start a new race. He's not going to start a new nation. He's not going to start new people. He doesn't have aliens flying in to say, hey, uh, I'm giving up on the human race, but we'll bring in the aliens. It'll be great. It's just not that way. Plan A is families and there is no plan B. My extended family gathered together this week to celebrate my nephew's birthday last Monday night. And it was kind of fun. And, and we lapsed into my brother's backyard of telling stories. And Klinkenbergs are storytellers. And we blow a lot of smoke and all of those things. Some of the stories are silly, particularly when my brother tells them. And he doesn't remember the facts as clearly as his older brother. So I've got to bring him into reality on some of the stories of our, of our family. And while some of the stories are silly and some are poignant, very seldom do we talk about moments of crisis. We have so few pictures of when times were tough. But we have lots of pictures of vacation, pictures of weddings, and pictures of baptisms, and birthday pictures and the like. Pictures of, 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 of the younger moms holding on to little babies. We've got lots of pictures like that. 
But here's my point. God uses each of us in our families through the good and celebrative times. And, and when we say God has a plan and that our families are in God's plan, we love that when it's good. But it's the difficult, painful times in which we are molded together in family and refined by going through the fire of painful seasons of life. The book of Genesis and all of those pieces of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's family are not filled with all of the happy, happy moments. As a matter of fact, as you go through and, and, and read through that, there's some painful pieces in that. The infertility of Abraham and Sarah is so painful. And when the messengers of the Lord come to the tent and say, next year at this time, Sarah's going to be pregnant and Sarah laughs. Isaac and Rebekah playing favorites to the point of splitting their whole family. And then Jacob's own messy journey from, from Israel to, to, to Egypt and back. His own messy life, time and time again wrestling and arguing with God for family and for understanding and, and all of those things. Jacob never quite had it all together. But God was working in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He worked through their families. You're not going to read in the book of Genesis that God quit on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their families. So much so that when Moses went back to Egypt to get the family out of the slavery of the Egyptians, he went with the family name, as I mentioned earlier. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you, Moses said to the people. Your family is God's plan A for molding and shaping your children and grandchildren, your spouse and those you love, your nieces and your nephews. That plan A provides the greatest love that we can possibly experience outside of God's love and sometimes the most difficult struggles in our lives. God does not have plan B, which turns away from family. The story of Jacob starts with him in the womb and the arguing and jostling of he and his brother Esau. And then he's born and he's a sneak. And he's hanging around the tents of the women while the men are all out hunting. And yet as the story of Jacob goes on, the, the beautiful piece is that Jacob has a point in his life where he wrestles with God, physically wrestles with God. And I don't know how that turned out, except that it seemed like the Lord had to, to, to injure Jacob and push out his hip so that then Jacob could be subdued. Oh, I share that with you because, because in his struggle in his family, Somehow Jacob got tougher. And instead of just wrestling with God and being pinned and saying, okay, I'm done, you win, I submit, I'm tapping out. Finally, God tapped Jacob's hip. And he gave him a new name named Israel. A name that meant you have wrestled with God and prevailed. Somehow in his home and family, as a dad and a husband, Jacob got tougher, stronger, and more resilient as he grew 
up. God didn't go to plan B. He wrapped his arms around Jacob and said, this plan that I have is going to go through you. God's bigger plan, number three, God's bigger plan is always working its way out. And here's the plan. It was given to Jacob's grandfather Abraham in these words from Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham held on to that covenant. Isaac held on to that covenant. Jacob held on to that covenant. The people in Egypt held on to that covenant. Who sent me to you? The people asked Moses and he said, the God of the promise, the God of the covenant, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the genealogy of Jesus from Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 begins with these words. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and then immediately the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God was relentless. God was relentless. He never quit. He never gave up. No matter what the function or the dysfunction, no matter how the families were rolling, God was relentless. In functional times, no problem. People following the Lord, raising families, prospering, flocks and herds, and all of these things in their family. Everything they touched was going great. And them turning back to the Lord with gratitude, thankfulness in their hearts, and in those difficult, painful, pressing family moments, speaking the word and the promise of the Lord, knowing that His word and His covenant gave direction and meaning and peace to the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. From the ups and downs of your family, those things that are incredibly painful, God brings you through them to achieve his bigger purpose. For Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that purpose was bringing the Savior, the Messiah, into the world. So that generation after generation, time after time, family through family, the brother of us all, Jesus, would be born. And the promise to bless the whole world would come through the birth of the baby in Bethlehem named Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of God. He would be our brother. And he would do what he promised to do. Heal the sick find community for the lonely, using and, and, and walking with humanity through its best and its worst. And then at the end, our brother Jesus went to the cross, which God had known all along through Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That one day that baby would open his arms on the cross and give himself to be crucified for the family. To demonstrate the powerful, irresistible love of the Father in function and dysfunction for the 
family. So Jesus came as our brother, but as our brother redeemer to bring us peace with God and to lead the family into the way of redemption by the means of his death, his body, his body, the, the portal, the way to life. Jesus, who himself lived in a family whose parents we know and have heard of, and a brother named James. And that Jesus, that brother of ours, he went through all the things of his life, the function and the dysfunction of the disciples and the people who followed him, the function and the dysfunction of the people around him in politics and religious life. He went through all of those things to give us peace with God and peace in our family of faith. And so he regards us and beholds us and calls us to be in his family with love. He worked that by working in a family, a family many names we know, but a family that led to the redemption of our souls. Who is he? Who is that God? What's the God of our family? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, our God, the one who loves us so much, he'd send our brother, our brother for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please join me in standing. I'd like to offer a prayer for our families as we kick off this series a little bit, think very deeply about where we are and what we're all about. I'd ask you to join me, join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we begin talking about families who begin to dig very deeply into our souls, and that's a good thing, Lord. Grant us your grace, grant us insight into ourselves, for in our families you provide our identity. And you provide that that identity is rooted in your great love for us and our brother Jesus. So whatever was scared up this morning, things of the past, things of fear, things of pain and brokenness in our families, we, we, we lay those at your feet because of how much you love us. Plan A was achieved, the redemption of our souls. You purchased them and we belong to you. We are in your family. So be with us, Lord, in those joyful moments. Guide us and strengthen us as we continue to, to worship you and find meaning in the family of faith that, that is our church. Be with us. Hear the cries of our hearts. Grant us the, the, the moments and the spaces for healing that you provide so lavishly for those in your family. These things we gather, we pray in Jesus' name.